0: This is Superior Sports Talk with Reggie Wilson and Luke Inman, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota. And it starts
1: now. Back in the lab, Reggie and Luke back at it. Another episode of Superior Sports Talk presented by Locked On Sports Minnesota. What's happening, Reggie? Happy Friday. We made it, man.
2: It's Friday. Feeling good. Let's get into it.
1: Yes, sir. Let's go. Got a monster show lined up today. We're talking Warriors. We're that team ranks among the NBA's all-time best dynasties. We've also got a very own Lockdown Minnesota colleague, Brandon Warren, joining us to talk Twins, which I'm super pumped about. Plus later, it's Flashback Friday and you're getting another blast from the past. It's all coming up on Superior Sports Talk. But first, save time and money when using Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a family-served business serving do-it-yourselfers like Reggie and I for over 20 years reliably low prices for every customer brake parts tail lamps even new carpet for your vehicle go to rockauto.com today and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their. how did you hear about a section so they know we sent you that's rockauto.com well, that's a wrap, folks. The 2021-2022 NBA season is officially in the books. Golden State Warriors finish off the Celtics last night 103-90 to win their fourth NBA title since 2015. Steph Curry leads the way: 34 points, seven boards, seven assists. He's named Finals MVP for the first time in those four championships. We'll get at all that in a moment, but first things first, Reggie, I got to ask. Celtics had 23 turnovers last night. You can't expect to win when you play like that against a championship-caliber team in Game 6 of the Finals. Was this more a case of the Celtics repeatedly shooting themselves in the foot or Golden State just clearly being the better, more talented team in the end?
2: No, it's definitely a product of the Celtics just shooting themselves in the foot. I think we've seen in this series even that the Celtics are talented enough to put the Warriors away it was kind of similar to what we saw last year. I, I think the, the Suns were maybe more talented than the bucks were, but the bucks had a Giannis and the Suns just couldn't consistently put down shots. And so Giannis was just like, all right, well, I'll just take over and you know, you guys just do something about it. And that was kind of the case this year. Tatum 13 points. Where, where did you go? My guy, like, What's going on? And, you know, they're young, but for some reason or another in the playoffs, the Celtics usually always just kind of choke it away. And this year, it just happened to be in the finals after all that they went through. And look, this will be a good experience for them because, you know, they were finally able to get over the hump in some of the earlier rounds, and they were able to put some really good teams away to get to the finals, and I mean, they looked like the better team a few times in the finals uh, for the two games that they did win, and you were just like, oh, man, here we go, and it was just weird because it took a a Herculean effort from Steph Curry uh, in game four, and then, you know, an all-around team performance in game five, and then yesterday, you know, Steph, Draymond, they were excellent and they went ahead and just put them away and i think you know boston did shoot themselves in the foot with several turnovers and you're just like they're inexplicable like they it doesn't even make sense what they're doing and now they you know an experienced team with championship pedigree you don't make that many mistakes against them because whether or not they're the the more talented team or not you make all those mistakes against them And they know how to react. They know how to respond. I think it was good, too, to see, like, them withstand, you know, because Boston got out to a quick lead. The Warriors surged back and took the lead, and then they never gave it back. And it was interesting because the Warriors took a couple punches. You know, there was a couple times where the Celtics got the the game within single digits, and you're just like, oh, man, here we go. But a big shot from Steph going to the cup. You know, they didn't settle for those threes. You know, I thought Clay was going to miss so many shots that he was just going to put Boston right back into the game. And I'm I'm like, man, this fourth quarter is going to be interesting. But then you got Steph driving to the bucket. You got Jordan Poole driving to the bucket. Draymond, Wiggins, you know, like they were impact players yesterday and they did what they had to do to get it done. But if you're the Celtics and if you're the Celtics fan, you just think, man, how did we let this happen? And it's kind of like the Timberwolves in that series against the Grizzlies. Like You could clearly tell the Timberwolves had the most talent and they were the better team, but you're only the better team when you win. And last night, the Warriors proved that they were the better team.
1: I got to take a moment, just kind of tip my hat to the Celtics. Again, frustrating end for sure for fans. But the road even to the chip, I mean – KD and Kyrie beat the Nets, mm-hmm. beat the reigning champs and Giannis and the Bucks. They beat the number one seed in the Heat to cap it all off. If nothing else, they showed their resiliency to bounce back when the chips were down and just kind of punch their way out of seemingly any tough situation and keep proving people wrong. In the end, yes, Warriors win it all. They've won four rings since 2015. Who's kin who? That's a dynasty, right? I mean, Showtime Lakers in the 80s. Jordan Bulls in the 90s winning six championships. That's kind of the bar and pedigree of Everybody likes to set. Do they still need one more or even two? Or are they supplanted now among the best teams of all time?
2: Yeah. I mean, you put them right up there. You put them up there with the the Bulls, the Spurs, you know, like LeBron. You know, I I think it's just so funny, man, because we as a – and I blame kind of like the sports debate culture on this. We just – always like have this knack of like the 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 championship is not even like the the body ain't even cold on the championship (laughs) and all of a sudden we're like trying to conceptualize like where this team ranks all time and all that instead of just really just like taking this as it is, like Enjoy putting the into moment yeah, putting Can it we please... into perspective. As it is, like this, which is funny because of how things shook out. But like Iguodala ends up going to a couple teams and then finding his way back to the Warriors for another championship. But this core of Steph, Clay, Draymond, and Iguodala all have four rings together. And that part is amazing because they are the modern-day – like, in the age of LeBron, you know, the the, the Spurs were were kind of, like, teetering. You know, they, they lost Kawhi, and that really kind of spelled the end for their dominance. But then you had LeBron with the Heat, with the Cavs, with the Lakers – and he's winning rings with all these teams. And then all of a sudden this this team from Golden State just sneaks through here and and just snatches four rings. And you got to put them in the conversation when you talk about, you know, teams and, and modern-day dynasties. Like, they may not even be done. They are aging. Steph is 34. Dre and Clay are 32. Iguodala is probably not back after this. Like, this is probably it for him. You know, they – they still have Wiggins. I think Wiggins might have one more year left on the deal. They they got to find a way to pay him, to pay Poole if they're going to, you know, keep this nucleus intact. And we'll see what happens. But then, you know, you're going to get better efforts from teams like Denver, from Phoenix. You would hope the Lakers, since LeBron is still there and, and still relatively at the tail end of his prime, and so this team may not be done. But then you talk about someone like Steve Kerr who now has 9 NBA championships as a player and a coach. And now you put him up there with Pat Riley, you put him up there with Phil Jackson, with some of the great coaches of all time because the guy has been the the puppet master if you will, for lack of a better phrase. He's been the guy that's pulling the strings to help this team get over the top. Remember they had Mark Jackson with, you know, that same nucleus like he believed in Draymond when people were like, "Why is he playing him so much?" He said that he picked Steph and Clay over any duo over anybody in the league. He picked his guys. And then he steps aside, Kirk comes in, immediately takes them to the championship, wins 3, wins another now, and people were saying like this year this playoffs as well might be the best coaching job that Steve Kerr has ever done because he couldn't rely on just sheer talent to just beat teams like he had to strategize he had to really coach because you know if he didn't like the Celtics probably were going to beat up on them probably going to maybe beat them for the championship but he had to make some decisions he had to really like Pull some strings to get this thing to work out like it did. And kudos to him as well.
1: Yeah, Warriors, they're not even off the plane yet. Champagne's still flowing. Warriors (laughs) fans, like, can we just enjoy this for, like, 20 seconds here before you start comparing us to Jordan and the Bulls and all that? Fun season in the NBA, though, no matter how you look at it. Wolves fans watching Andrew Wiggins get the champagne bath at the end saying, why not us? Hopefully someday soon. Never too early to look at the 2023 NBA Finals odds. They're up. Golden State, your favorite at five to one, followed by the Brooklyn Nets, Boston Celtics at six to one, Clippers and Bucks at seven to one. Your Minnesota Timberwolves want to take a guess, Reggie? Odds to win the NBA Finals in twenty twenty
2: three? I'm guessing it's not the highest.
1: Two hundred twenty five to one. I swear Ooh. to you, I'm not making that up. Two hundred twenty five to one. Come on, give me a There's five. There's a spot. chance. Give me a There's twenty. A- there's a I, chance. It's great value. It's great value, man. There's a chance. Yeah, no doubt. Wolves fans will for sure be keeping close tabs on that this offseason. NBA draft just right around the corner as well. Okay, coming up, we're bringing in our boy Brandon Warren to talk some twins and their chances at winning a World Series ring. And later, it's Flashback Friday with a blast from the past. But first, our partners at Bet Online continue to be your number one source for all your betting needs. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports info, including this year's basketball finals major league baseball fights and even nfl futures head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action bet online it's where the game starts all right well let's talk about those twins shall we and to do so let's bring in one of our very own lockdown minnesota alum brandon warren host of the lockdown twins podcast check him and nash walker out up on youtube after every single twins game he's on twitter at brandon underscore warren Brandon, we had your boy Nash on a few weeks ago when the Twins were red hot. A lot's changed since then, but the fact remains. Twins still in first place in the division. Guardians starting to nip at their heels. We're starting to see this team finally find their footing, it feels like. It took two and a half months, but they're there, finally getting some big key names back again. Joe Ryan, Sonny Gray, after being just decimated by injuries. They take two or three from the Rays, two or three from the Mariners, Diamondbacks on deck, then they got eight of 11 with Cleveland. But I'm looking at some of the best teams in baseball right now. It's hard not to sit here and just say the Yankees aren't winning this whole thing. I mean, everybody's just playing for second place. That roster, when we got to sit down and watch them play the Twins, one through nine, just like Murderer's Row 2.0. They rank among the best in home runs, ERA, WHIP, run differential, etc., etc. Before we get into some Twins talkers, just how good do you think that team can be when they're like at their peak? And honestly, I mean, is anyone going to be able to stop those Yankees from running away with this thing?
0: I, I always feel like in the postseason, all that stuff kind of equalizes. It's mm-hmm. it's amazing because you're facing the best of the best that each team has to offer, and so you're not going to see fourth starters. You're not going to see those relievers who give you four innings when the starter doesn't go long and all that. So. I don't know man the, the October is like I said the great equalizer but this Yankees team is absolutely stacked and then all of a sudden you know Ronalds Chapman goes down and Clay Holmes just comes in and is getting ground balls like it's going on a style striking a few people out and really just picking up where prime Ronalds left off and yeah I mean New York right now the two teams combined have almost 90 wins and we're not even halfway through the season it's wild so, yeah yeah it's the two best teams on each side, So, you know, the Dodgers will make some noise, the Twins can make some noise, Houston will make some noise, but New York is going to be the center of the baseball universe, and I'm sure they'd love to see another Subway series like they had back in uh, 2000, I think it was, Ooh. and so, yeah, it's, it, it's a fun league right now, though, because you look at the AL especially, and outside of the Yankees, I think the Twins can keep up with everybody else, and who knows what happens in a short series, although the last 18 years or 19 years, 18 years it's been uh, (laughs) Twins taking the L. In fact, I tweeted the other day, the Montreal Expos were still in existence the last time the Twins won a playoff game. Oh my gosh. They were on the verge of moving to Washington, but they were still still, in existence.
2: Wow. I have a question. And we talked about this uh, yesterday on the podcast. Do you think the Twins have enough to sustain these wins?
0: Yeah, I do in the sense of offense. Pitching... That's another story. I think they have enough relievers they can work through and kind of find some guys. They've had some guys kind of pop up. They got some guys in the minors who are kind of interesting. I still think they, they may need to add one reliever, and any trade this deadline might be easier to add relievers than starters because starters are at such a uh, – it's just an all-time low almost. Mm-hmm. Guys are getting hurt. Guys aren't mm-hmm. pitching well. If you look at the top 20, 25 pitchers – by war or whatever statistical measure that you want those names would definitely surprise you we're not in that era where you've got the Strasburgs and the Greinke's and the Kershaw's all dominating it's Kershaw who's doing pretty well and then the other older guys are kind of falling off you know there's some familiar names like Verlander and all that but it's going to be hard to navigate finding a top tier starter that the Twins are going to be comfortable giving up that many prospects for. Everybody loves Frankie Montas from Mm -hmm. Oakland. Cincinnati's got Tyler Malley and Luis Castillo. But honestly, a lot of teams are not going to think of themselves as out of it because of the new setup with playoffs, too. So Mm. I think you can go get bullpen guys. They're usually not that expensive. But that small window of two months means they could have a couple bad outings, and all of a sudden that whole stretch is shot. So mm-hmm. I think the offense is good enough. The pitching is so-so, but they've they've stemmed the tide. They've managed to make it work. And the rest of the division is kind of shaky. You know, the Guardians are pretty good. The White Sox are kind of finding their way. But then they take two steps back every now and then. I think the Twins can hang with this division. It's just a matter of if they do that, what happens in October?
2: And I yeah. think what's funny about that is like they, you know, Rocco shows that he can have a quick hook with his starting pitchers, but then it's like, well, that would seem to believe that you have a lot of trust in that bullpen, which is shown that they can blow it a lot of different times. So I think uh, to your point, yeah, it would be good if they went out and got one or two bullpen arms because you know, when in doubt, Rocco's just gonna pull the the starter. And, and bring in some more pitching. But if he has a better bullpen, then maybe they can play better complementary baseball to kind of get them some more wins down the stretch as, you know, the Guardians are nipping at the heels, as uh, Luke said. And then, you know, you never know how the White Sox may surge.
0: Yeah. And th- they're going to get a boost with Jorge Alcala, hopefully coming back mm. pretty soon because he's you know, maybe not quite the raw stuff of Joanne Duran but mm-hmm. high octane arm Griffin Jax has popped this year Tyler McG- er, sorry Trevor I say the wrong McGill brother every single time the <laughs> other one plays for the Mets Trevor McGill has been kind of a revelation for them so they're they're mixing and matching finding some guys who throw hard you got Joe Smith who throws soft but has a weird arm angle they're piecing it together and it's kind of a less is more from your rotation thing where you take out a guy before he's going to get shelled And then you mix and match with your bullpen because you're only seeing these guys an inning at a time. And if you go Alcala throwing 97 and then Smith throwing 87 and then Durant throwing 102 Mm. and then you bring another lefty in like Thielbar, you're given all these different looks Mm. and it makes it hard Mm -hmm. for opposing managers to handle that. So it's it's a team that's just to lack of a better term, some of its parts and it's it's going to be a fun stretch that i think a lot of people didn't expect after how bad last year went.
1: Yeah, good point too with the new playoff setup that teams may not be so prone to have the fire sale that we're used to and just start giving away all these key pieces. I'm just getting back into the MLB much more seriously, first time in a season or two and i jump in, i see the top of the Twins lineup. You got the top tier obviously. Buxton, Stud, Luisa Rice stud, Correa stud, then you get that second tier, pretty solid. Kepler, Polanco, Sanchez, Shella. and then you hit this third tier, and this is where I need some help because it feels like the Twins have like 10 young guys on the rise they want to rotate in on any given night with those last three or four spots. Garlic, Celestino, Miranda, Jeffers, Larnick, Nick Gordon, Alex Kurloff that's like seven guys. I'm probably missing one or two. They're all relatively pretty young. I'm not an expert like you. Which one or two of these guys do you think like has the highest ceiling and would you like to see kind of turn into a staple in this lineup, say 2023 night in and night out? Like, Who's the best of the bunch just from a raw talent perspective in your opinion that gets you the most excited? It's, it's a balanced bunch and I think that's
0: you know, in some sports, if you have two quarterbacks, you have zero quarterbacks. If you have mm-hmm. two really good point guards, you have zero point guards. That's not the case here. If you have a guy struggling, you can supplement. You can mix and match based on lefty-righty, late in games, early in games, positional versatility, and all that. The, the guy for me that stands out is Alex Kirilov. And for the longest time, Trevor Larnick and Alex Kirilov were kind of interchangeable as the team's best outfield prospect. Larnick has taken a step forward this year defensively. He's in the middle of like a one for 22 funk. So his hmm. his numbers don't look great right now. But as far as a polished hitter, you know, he's 25. He hits the ball really hard to the opposite field. And again, defensively, he's really taken a step forward. But for me, Kirillov is just like a hitting machine. And once they get that wrist healthy, which it kind of seems like is the case, because he's been absolutely awesome, on fire at St. Paul. He's probably going to be the centerpiece of, of an offense that's putting the ball in play. You know, he might not hit a ton of homers, but he could be good for 40 doubles a year. Mm. And, you know, play first base, play outfield. All their, all their guys are kind of versatile, which helps, too, because then you're, you're mixing and matching with guys who can play as opposed to maybe eight, nine years ago when it was minor league journeymen coming up. So Kirilov is the guy for me, but Larnik isn't far behind because, you know, those might be your outfield I don't want to call them cornerstones Mm because Bucks is the cornerstone, but they'll each lock down a corner and be pretty dang solid. So yeah, AK is the one and, they got to get him up here pretty soon, man. He is absolutely killing it.
1: with the Yeah, C. just crushing, I heard. Kirilov, Larnik, future Hall of Fame players. You there heard you it go. here first. Brandon Warren <laughs> on Twitter, at Brennan underscore Warren. All right, last one real quick. MLB drafts coming up here. I'm a total NFL draft nut. Lay it out for me. Is there any like Bryce Harpers, Manny Machados, like blue chip can't miss guys that we should circle right now and kind of put in the back of our mind? This guy should be a stud here in the next three, four years. Or who's the top talent or two? Twins picking at number eight overall, is there yeah. one guy specifically that you think maybe could fall right in their lap that talent would suggest could be a steal or, or just good value?
0: Well, you know how in baseball especially we like players uh, whose parents played or dads played? Yes. And Drew Jones, who's Andrew Jones' yes. son, is uh, he's a dynamo. I think they project him to go like second overall, though, so he won't be there mm. for the Twins. Cam Collier is the guy I'm kind of locked in on at eight and his his old man played, I believe, in the big leagues. I'm trying to remember if it was Lou Collier. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I can't remember for sure. But shortstop. And, again, you know, you look at the Twins, you're like, oh, man, Correa, Lewis, yeah. Austin Martin. I got all these shortstops. Everybody's a shortstop coming out <laughs> unless they're left-handed. Yeah. Uh, Joe Nathan, Twins reliever, shortstop coming out. Kind of funny, like like Joe Maurer wasn't a shortstop just because he's you know he's, uh, he, he's a catcher. But if you're right. up the middle talent, you can move. Move some guys around. Cam Collier, though, kid from Georgia, big arm. He does everything you want. I'm just curious, you know, is he going to be there at 8? But that's the guy I'm really focused on. I love when they take high-tool, high-talent high high school guys because those are the ones who become the superstars. College players, a little more polished, a little less ceiling. Mm -hmm. High school guys, man, it's uh, shoot for the stars or... Completely miss, and that's kind of the beauty of the MLB draft compared to the NFL draft, which is your
1: bread and butter. Right. Right. Yeah. All right. MLB draft right around the corner. I'm writing that name down, Collier. At 8, you feel like, all right, pretty good value. Brandon Warren, ladies and gentlemen, just a fountain of knowledge. Check him out (laughs) on Twitter, at Brandon underscore Warren. And after every Twins game, up on YouTube with her good friend Nash Walker on the Locked On Twins podcast, all part of the Locked On Minnesota Network. Brandon, you're the man. We'll talk to you again real soon, all right? Be good. All right, thanks, brother. Brandon Warren, ladies and gentlemen. Reggie, any quick takeaways from Brandon right there?
2: You know, I think he just, you know – to pat ourselves on the back here, he was saying a lot of things that we kind of been echoing. So it was good to get, you know, an informed baseball person just kind of say like they probably got to stand pat a little bit. But, you know, whereas I was talking about them maybe going out and trying to get another starter with this high of a price tag as that's going to cost and just unproven commodities all across the league. I think he made a great point talking about the bullpen trying to get some arms for the bullpen on the cheap to help. And like I said, because Rocco has shown that, you know, after four or five innings, he'll pull a guy and go straight to that bullpen. And so if if he's got some rock solid arms in that pen, then maybe we feel a little bit better about him pulling a starter after five innings to preserve them because, you know, the bullpen will do what they have to do
1: love what he said also about this just new postseason format again teams Mm -hmm. might not be so quick to have the fire sale okay the time has come gather around the campfire here reggie it's our second edition of flashback friday and a blast from the past and before i start I got a preface where this came from. Remember last week we highlighted Magic Johnson after I was watching Luka in the playoffs. Got me thinking about NBA history, guys that changed the game forever. Well, this week we're talking about another guy who changed the game forever and not just one sport, but all of sports. And he did it not on the field, but off of it. You ever just sit back here, Reggie, and look at these monster contracts guys are signing a free mm-hmm. agency and say, wait a minute how much? How did we get here? (laughs) Patrick Mahomes, 10-year, $500 million deal in 2020. Mm -hmm. Steph Curry, won the championship last night, four years, 215 mil. Mike Trout, 12-year, 426 mil. 12 years ago, in 08 alex rodriguez signed a 10-year 275 million dollar deal absolutely unheard of at the time yeah but how did these types of contracts manifest where did it all begin there had to be a time where this was not the norm in professional sports and there was in fact there was a time before 1974 there was no free agency at all it's wild to even think about as the drama of modern free agency has kind of become as much a part of professional sports as the games themselves, but it wasn't always that way. Enter a man named Kurt Flood. Flood was a center fielder for the Cardinals in the 1960s. He hit a career 290, three-time All-Star, won three pennants, two World Series, won the Gold Gloves seven consecutive seasons in a row. Rock-solid career, although maybe not Hall of Fame worthy, but... What he did off the field would go on to change the game of not just baseball, but the sports world entirely. At mm-hmm. the end of the '69 season, Cardinals traded Kurt Flug along with Tim McCarver, Brandon Brown, Joe Horner to the Phillies for Dick Allen, Jerry Johnson, and Cookie Ross. But this trade turned out to be different from all other trades because this time Flood refused to go. Mm. So since the early days of professional baseball, a short clause was inserted into every major league contract. It basically gave the owners complete control over their players. Even when the player's yearly contract was up, the owners could just literally renew his contract, essentially binding him to the same franchise for life, allowing him to be paid whatever the owner felt he was worth or traded on a whim. So sounds kind of unfathomable now, but Kurt was very much aware of what was going on in the world at the time, and he was very much aware of the fact that he did not have his civil rights. For the right to determine his own future as a ball player, Flood would have to sue Major League Baseball, cut to the core of America's pastime and how it operated. Kurt's thinking was, hey, this is ridiculous. What's my specific worth? I mean, what am I really valued at? Like, what do I need to be paid if I'm putting up seven consecutive gold gloves? I have a unique value to bring to the table and I want to be paid for it. At that point, Kurt kind of had to make a decision. He had to go all in. He knew his job and career as an all-star player in the league. It was going to be in jeopardy. I mean, he made a choice and chose to stand up and fight for what he believed in. That every player should at least get the opportunity to go seek out their true value and kind of maximize their time spent in the league with the unprecedented backing of the newly formed players union his case went all the way to the supreme court Mm. but he could not beat the owners and he lost that case five votes to three to demonstrate the unfairness of the existing system though fled sat out the 1970 season forfeited his income for the year and by the time he joined the Washington Senators in 71 he was pretty much toast. I mean that was it as far as his career goes. He was never really the same and after that long exhausting court battles he eventually left baseball shortly after. His head's down he's bumming he's thinking that's it I lost. But the stage had been set. Kurt Flood put shockwaves into motion causing a stir among athletes now in all major sports the seed had been planted while flood was out of baseball and out on his own thinking the system had failed him once again in the courts Flood's case had laid the legal groundwork for plays to settle the issue at the negotiating table. And just three years later, in 1974, pitchers Andy Mercermith and Dave McNally won an arbitration case that found owners could no longer renew players' contracts in perpetuity, opening up free agency to all veteran major leaguers, the owner's power grip on the players was officially shattered. Free agency as we know it today was born and began to shift the balance across not just baseball but all American professional sports. Three months after Floyd had filed his lawsuit in 1970, Oscar Robertson and 13 other professional basketball players sued to abolish the reserve clause in the NBA following an earlier failed attempt by star Rick Barry. Six Mm. years later, they reached a settlement to bring free agency to their sport. Flash forward to the present. After four years in Miami, look what LeBron's return did to Cleveland, showed how elite players could shape not only their own fate, but kind of the entire NBA ecosystem. The owners Mm -hmm. lost their monopoly, and now the players were finally calling the shots you can't mention kurt flood without mentioning his lawyer and founder of the players association marvin miller he was the pillar he was the catalyst to getting his case all the way to the supreme court sending that ripple effect throughout all of sports landscape that still obviously exists today flood paved the way for athletes to turn their talents into millions of dollars and build generational wealth yet still to this day for all flood did to change the way sports paid their players kurt flood never garnered a single dime for his accomplishment. Marvin Miller, his lawyer, went on to be inducted in the Baseball Hall of Fame, but for all he did, Flood still to this day is not. Reggie, what's up with that? Kerr Flood, one of the greatest stories and legacies who gave his life, he gave his professional career for his teammates and the players that would come after him, knowing he wouldn't see one single penny for all his accomplishments. A guy who many athletes and fans still have never heard of to this day, I say get him into the Hall of Fame next opportunity you get. And if not, at least spread the word of his story and remember the name, Kurt Flood, and everything he did for the game of sports. Reggie, that's the story of Kurt Flood and how he started free agency as we know it. And that is your blast from the past on Flashback Friday. What do you think about that? Kurt Flood, man. I didn't know about that.
2: So it's really interesting because, you know, I grew up a Cardinals fan OK, there you go. And, you know, we would always hear the name Kurt Flood like in a lot of different conversations because of what he did. You know, you talk about some of the Cardinals greats. You put, you know, Bob Gibson there, Stan the Man, mm. you know, New Age. You know, with me, you got you know, Willie McGee, mm-hmm. Ozzie Smith, Albert Pujols now mm-hmm. and, you know, Yadier Molina. Um, you know, even back in the day, you know it was Mark McGuire, yeah, about. yeah, 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 but you know what's what's interesting is they have to find a way to get this guy into Cooper'stown, At whether you. it's just like some type of like you know special courage yep. award or something. like they have to like get him into the Hall of Fame somehow, you know, like even if they feel like it's not like on his plane, which the stats are there and they show like he wasn't like this power hitter or anything, Mm -hmm. but the dude was as consistent as they come. I mean, two ninety three career hitter, like you gotta get this guy in, you know? And and especially for what he did, like he goes down as like really a martyr, Mm -hmm. you know, for, for modern day sports. And it's funny because I was talking to one of my coworkers and he was just saying that he can't really stand the NBA Mm -hmm. because all the players he feels like are mercenaries Mm. and i'm like i can see where you're going with that but like i think it's deeper than that i think it's more nuanced than that Mm -hmm. because here are these elite athletes who know they only have a certain amount of time to maximize their value and if they aren't getting it where they are that's why you know they they talk about like you know people taking a hometown discount and all that Mm. stuff. I'm never for athletes doing that. Like, look, if they want to, you know, take less because they want to win and they want to win championships and they feel like, you know, their current situation helps them better win championships, then fine. But also because of free agency, like everybody gets a piece of the pie. So like you see it where they went to, you know, we'll, we'll talk even going back, this far uh, earlier in the in the the decades mm-hmm. kg leaving going mm-hmm. to be with paul pierce and then ray allen going over as well and they formed the the big three and really kind of started that whole thing in the nba where you know players were cool with just going and teaming up and doing their thing good point and it's just funny because like yeah you might look at them as mercenaries but like then when another player who's looking to get paid goes and follows another person who left to go get paid, and now you have two or three of uh NBA's top superstars on one team. Now you're talking about a championship. You know, the Warriors just last night won championship number 4. Well, two of those happened because Kevin Durant made the decision that, you know, he just didn't feel like he could win anymore in Oklahoma City he felt like he reached the ceiling so he did what he felt like was was great for him and and got paid went to Golden State won two rings there in three years you know then he goes and teams up with Kyrie in Brooklyn and they're chasing a ring you know LeBron leaves goes to Los Angeles then Anthony Davis gets recruited there. And then last year, Russell Westbrook, Carmelo Anthony. You know, all these names right. are, are coming and, and doing that. Like, we don't see all this movement, all this, you know, you mentioned Mike Trout. I just read an article last night talking about Shohei Otani possibly getting a four-year, $200-plus plus million deal, Ooh. highest average of any player in modern-day sports history. <sighs> And this is all made possible because, you know, I always like to say this phrase, you know, Kurt Flood, he walked so others could run. Mm. And it, it sucks that he wasn't able to reap the pure benefits of it financially for himself. But at the same time, now all of a sudden, all these players are, you know, getting paid, getting their just due. For their value in that short amount of time, especially like you look at the NFL, man, you get one hit, your career could be over with toast. And so like and the fact that they don't have, you know, fully guaranteed contracts in the NFL. Right. I understand on both sides of that coin, because it's because football is so high impact, and, and it could be so limited. Barbaric, you know, yeah. Yeah, you don't want to put money into a player where you don't know their availability from year to year, and such so you risk. don't want to guarantee that. But on the player side, they're like, look, well, I'm putting my body on the line, I'm putting my body at risk. Like, if something happens to my life, to, to my career, mm-hmm. where I can't play anymore, like, I want the guarantee of that money being there regardless of what happens to me because I play such a barbaric sport. And so I think there needs to be a conversation, you know, had around that as well. When you look at guys like Kirk Cousins signing fully guaranteed deals like that is very smart. Mm -hmm. And at his position, you know, that's a risk that teams are willing to take. But maybe not for a running back or a wide receiver or a linebacker because, you know, they're a little bit more high impact than maybe a quarterback would be on a snap to snap basis. And so, you know, kudos to Kirk Flood for doing what was necessary. You hate that it seems like he kind of fell on the sword for it to happen, Mm -hmm. but martyr for this game, he walked so that everybody else in sports moving forward could run.
1: Well said, great feedback there. I love that you brought up KG. He was the kind of the one who started that whole trend too, going over to Boston, winning those finals, building that superstar kind of team. Mm -hmm. And neither of us were around for this either, but before Target Field, before the Metrodome, it was the old Met. Located literally right where the Mall of America now stands today. Built and owned by Calvin Griffin, who owned and started the Twins baseball team as we know it today. He started the Twins in 1961. But like a lot of these owners, once free agency started, once Kurt Flood put that in motion... These guys still tried to penny pinch and, and they tried colluding behind closed doors. You know, they're going, hey, nobody throw out any crazy deals or offers. So, mm-hmm. you know, we can all save some money. But it wasn't long until these owners ran out of money. And like Griffin, he had to sell the team in 1984 to Carl Polad, who owns the team today. A lot of these owners, though, were forced to sell their teams because they just didn't have the capital and money to stay competitive with what they had to pay these players anymore. And again, Kurt Flood never made a single penny off any of that. Sports altering movements and accomplishments. Unbelievable. He's not in the Hall of Fame. What are we doing? Hey, let (laughs) us know what you think. We want to hear from you. Hit us up in the YouTube comments or on Twitter at Minnesota. Did you know who Kurt Flood was? Did you know his story? How free agency started? What do you think about free agency now and some of the crazy money these superstars are making? A wild story I'll admit I knew little about until doing some research, but something I just needed to share on Flashback Friday and take a blast from the All right, looking forward to hearing all the feedback from you guys. We're back here Monday, breaking down more Twins, Vikings, plenty more. Remember to like, rate, review, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Join us every day for another episode covering all the biggest topics in Minnesota sports. He's Reggie Wilson. Follow him on Twitter, at TV And on Kara 11 I'm Luke Inman on Twitter, at Luke underscore Spinman. Tune in Monday to Superior Sports Talk, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota. For Reggie, I'm Luke. Until Monday.
2: Be blessed. Spread love this weekend.
1: This is Superior Sports Talk with Reggie Wilson
0: and Luke Inman, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota.